If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to We're Talking Shift. This is part two of a fantastic conversation that I started last week with Mr. Alex Zek. So if you missed it, make sure you go back, listen to part one first, and then jump on back over here to part two. You won't want to miss any of it. And so without further ado, let's get going. So let's switch into the macro. Let's, let's, let's take that thread, gaslighting, narcissistic um, tactics, shall we say, um, the mind fuck of it all. And let's, let's apply that to um, this invisible supposedly invisible, indestructible boogeyman, uh, you know, called, I like to call it the COVID because I just can't yep. <laughs> honor it with a valid <laughs> name. Yep. So whatever. Um, and I'm not just, I'll say this again, as I've said on many other episodes, it's not that I don't believe that something is making people sick. Clearly there is. Clearly there, there are people getting sick, but this isn't about that. This is about how this is being used against people. And that, that is one of the things that I think is really just important to share some other perspectives and viewpoints on what some of us might uh, perceive is actually going on. Because it, unless you seek it out, unless you seek out the other information, it is you know, it's not coming across your TV. It's not, it's, you have to be proactive. And a lot of people aren't, they're just willing to listen to the news and, and follow directions. And that's, uh, that's a dangerous thing, I think, right now. So, yeah. like, what do you see? Uh, all of the things, for example, that the experts, and I'm using air quotes for those of you that aren't watching this on YouTube, that they've been telling us, everything that they've been telling us, um, uh, to do since the onset of this um, illness that's attacked the globe. It seems to me like it is all the opposite of, of what would make anybody healthier and able to get through this interesting challenge. Um, and that's where I want to tie in, you know, what do you think about the tactics and how gaslighting and, and narcissism plays into that initiative, shall we say? Yeah. So, so from 2016 through now, I have looked into Western medicine and the pharmaceutical industry because of those two experiences with my wife and my mom, like, like so in depth, because I had so much cognitive dissonance myself, like how do these experts not know? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I already in, in 2019, I already had a good understanding of the pharmaceutical industry and their nefarious tactics. I had a good understanding of natural health principles and like what makes you healthy. I had a good understanding of narcissistic abuse, manipulation, gaslighting. And I remember having a conversation with my mom, my wife, and my sister, like what, like, 
we went through all this shit for something. Like, I don't know what it is. And my mom had already started building a social media platform and presence and my sister had as well, but like not to the degree that we have now. Um, and I hadn't at all. I was just a dude who shared pictures of his kids and like, <laughs> things. but having those three things, like a deep understanding of all three of them so well, like my son was already born. He was in 2009, in late 2019, he was two and a half and completely un, unvaccinated. Like, and I'd already, I'd already known all that stuff. Right. Then COVID hits and we have narcissistic abuse, manipulation, gaslighting being inflicted upon the entire population. We have the pharmaceutical industry is the perpetrator, the one doing it, using its bedfellows and government, the media and what have you, the medical establishment. Mm -hmm. And then we have those who deeply, deeply, deeply understand natural health principles and what it means to truly be healthy, having their whole reality painted as like, you are the dangerous ones. You are the ones that are causing harm to people. And it was literally the same exact playbook as what I had experienced couple of years prior. And then also when I was younger, this literally the same playbook again. And I got to a point and I was a captain in the army at the time in May, June of 2020, where I was like, all right, I can't, I have to, I have to speak. I can't shut up anymore. And it was very, this is my going rogue story. So okay, let's hear it. <laughs> so I was a captain in the army. Right. And for the majority of the time that I've been speaking and, and have, you know, a lot of gained a lot of followers on, on social media and in podcast platforms, people to listen to what I have to say up from between May and 2020, when I started speaking through April, the end of April, really the beginning of May actually is like, I got out of the army April 30th for a whole year of this past 18 months. I've been a captain in the army and I have been up until the time that I got out of the army using very clever language as to not speak out directly against the government but just always allude to the experts and the officials. But I never said the government because I couldn't while I was in the army. Sure, um, sure. Quick story on the going rogue thing. So when I created Health Freedom for Humanity and we launched it in Feb end of January, beginning of February of this year, um, it exploded, right? It, it, it exploded and our podcast exploded and we gained so much attention because we had this community of people outside of race, religion, political affiliation, socioeconomic background, gender, sexual orientation, just people, humanity, uniting under one common cause, the belief that every single person, the knowing that every yeah. single person has the right to choose what is best for their own health without coercion or force. Like the fact that that's even controversial is crazy. Like this yeah, organization, yeah. Health Room Free Made, shouldn't even have to exist. But we we exploded because we I think it's because we were so good at dismantling that narrative that only super far right right leaning Trump supporters care about this. So we were a community, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, people of all races, like all of it. And uh, then in March, the end of March, beginning of April, the Guardian wrote a hit piece on myself and our organization. And they found out because I was very clever not to disclose that I was in the army. I didn't like parade it around. I like had a beard in my profile picture that was very intentional because I didn't like you could find it if you wanted to. Like if you yeah. really dug on Google, you could find my world class athlete program bio from a couple of years prior. And you could you could find out if you really wanted to. But I didn't parade it around. Uh, 
And this reporter contacted me and he gave me a right to reply. Here's what I'm going to publish about you. You are spreading misinformation about this, this, and that online. You speak out against this. You're causing massive harm in people. And I was like, I'm not going to reply because he put in there, you are a former army officer. And I was like, okay, he thinks I'm a former army officer. Thank God. A week later, he replies to me again, goes, we have confirmed with the army public affairs office that you are currently serving as a captain. And I was like, Oh my God, here we go. Here we go. So hmm. I had three weeks left in the army at this point. Cause I was already getting out. Um, I don't agree with killing people. I don't agree with the wars that the army fights. We don't need to get in that, but the, the point in the direction that they're going with health and like so coercive and I had a religious exemption and like, I, I, there's rumors that they weren't going to honor it. But anyway, uh, my, boss's boss's boss sends me a text message and says dude dot 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 what's with me hearing from the army public affairs office that you're running a conspiracy theory anti-vax organization oh my god (laughs) i was so scared because just like the way that the narrative was going at the time that they were painting people like us as like domestic terrorists already like we knew that was coming yeah but like and then when the disinformation doesn't came out i was like thank God, I'm not on that list. And I remember Ben Tapper texted me. He was like, dude, how are you not on this list? And I was like, I don't know. And I'm so happy right now. Cause if it came out that like an army officer was involved with that, like they're already talking about it at Congress and whatnot. And like, I'd already, there'd already been language being used in the army of people who are skeptical of vaccines as quote insider threats. So like all this stuff, I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to get charged with uniform code of military justice action, go to jail. Like I was so freaked out. And this is actually another element of my healing because I was always so afraid of authority. Mm. And here I was again with another, like my authority, the army, like having control over me. And I was like, so freaked the fuck out that I was going to be thrown in jail or whatever. And God bless my wife because like having to deal with me, like being emotional wreck, like on and off during that time period um, was, was really tough. But it was when I finally released the fear of authority and like really stood in the understanding that like, they don't have power over me. Like I'm my own authority. Even if they had the presentation of authority over me, they're not an authority figure over me. And I only have a few weeks left. So let's just write it out. So my commander texted me. Um, and I, you know, replied very eloquently, like, Hey, this is my authentic perception based on these experiences with my wife, my mom. And luckily one of my really good friends, Pam Long, who writes for children's health defense, was one of his West Point classmates. And she has a vaccine injured son and he knows that. So I like said, I also am very good friends with Pam Long, who you know has a, a vaccine injured son. Um, we share, you know, I, I bring doctors onto my show to share their perspective. That's what we do. And he basically was just like, just don't get in trouble again. Please just get the fuck out silently. Just do not cause any more issues. So that was my going rogue story. And it was, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty scary. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, because seriously, you know, going going rogue means you know you're do, you are doing something that is for you in some way, shape, or form risky. You're risking something important yeah. to you, and and if you do it anyway, you're going rogue. It, and usually, the whole point of a going rogue story is that even though you decided to do that challenging or risky action. Um, you, you, you did it 
maybe much to the um, disappointment and disapproval uh, and warnings of others, you do it anyway, and it ends up to be the right decision. One of the best things that, you know, could have happened to you because it set you on a path that you know is the right path for you. That's why we go rogue. That's why we follow that, that calling, that, that urge that you just, you can't, walk away from it. You can't stuff yeah. it away. It's I could not speak you. because, because of yeah. what I had experienced in my life up to that point, when I saw so clear what was going on with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say to, to be clear initially uh, in February, even before that in January, I was following what was happening in China before it was even showing up on the mainstream. Cause I was like really interested in health and, and whatnot. And I was looking on Reddit and there was like I fell for the propaganda of people falling dead in the street. I was like, oh my God. So I was one of the people at the very beginning, um, mm-hmm. even though I was currently like in my life adopting a very terrain theory based approach. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it because like my son unvaccinated when we first had him and he was unvaccinated, we were really scared to bring him around people. Then as he got older, he would lick things and like lick <laughs> other people and like, you know, like rub his face in the dirt and hands, and like never yeah. wash his hands. And he would never get sick. And I was like, huh, it's really interesting. Um, maybe his immune system is just so strong. So the viruses and bacteria aren't going to harm him. And I have a completely different perception on that now, but anyway, beginning of COVID, I full on fell for the propaganda, but because I had already, I guess, fallen for other types of propaganda before, and then was always forced to come back to like, okay, what am I actually feeling about this though? What am I observing and experiencing after like three weeks when it quote hit the United States and I like continued to observe and stuff. And then I found, you know, some other videos of the community that I was already a part of, uh, or at least following, so to speak, um, watching videos from Dr. Andrew Kaufman and others and Kelly Brogan, even, and even my mom talking with her, I was like, this is not, this Mm -hmm. is not, this is it. And even, even so I remember February of 2020, my wife and I looked at each other and we were like, this will be used to usher in mandatory vaccinations for all people without a question. We thought at the time it was going to be like this deadly thing that was going to kill 50 million Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously that's not the case. And there are people dying. COVID-19 is a real set of symptoms without question. SARS-CoV-2 on the other hand. And if you want, if you want me to get into that, I can get into that pretty in depth. Well, let's, let's talk. um, Let's, let's remind people um, who exactly are the people with COVID? Who's getting COVID, yeah. and and who's who's dying from COVID? Yeah, and then so, who's not? Yeah, so this is straight from the CDC's own data. Straight Perfect. from the CDC's own data. Ninety-five percent of COVID deaths had an average of four comorbidities, most yes. being most being lifestyle or nutrition related: hypertension, heart disease, diabetes, obesity. And then I think there's one more that I'm missing, but nonetheless, all things that are generally preventable or manageable with lifestyle and nutrition changes. And then the other statistics straight from the CDC, 78% of COVID deaths or 78% of COVID hospitalizations were in overweight or obese people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's people who are already in a toxic state that are dying from this disease. And even those 5% that had zero comorbidities and it was just COVID listed on their chart, they received a PCR test whose inventor said was never to be used for diagnostic purposes, who the PCR testing protocol for SARS-CoV-2 
developed by Corman and Drosten, they clearly state in that testing protocol that this test was based on in silico sequencing of a theoretical virus, meaning that it was based on a computer simulated virus that they had found in RNA sequences from, if we want to get, <laughs> I so can I get just, into the- I just heard, I, here's what I heard, Alex, no basis in reality. No basis in reality, no. Okay. And do you want me to go into the the like depths of uh, virus you know what? isolation, what have you? I mean, let's do it quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, can, I, I would love to. I, I talked about it a little bit when I had Dr. Tom Cowan on several months ago, um, but I think it doesn't hurt to remind people because, especially because now it's the Delta variant, and what yeah. there's freaking not even the PCR test can't even determine that. It can't pick that up either. So I don't know how that diagnosis is being put out there. Well, so I can yeah. explain that pretty in depth too. So yeah, so let's recap it. So the the, the way. Okay, first off, if you wanted to prove that something was the cause of something, you would need to observe that thing having action on another thing. Like without question, that makes the most logical sense. Mm -hmm. No virus ever in existence has ever been extracted from the snot of a sick person and isolated, purified, literally the, you have the virus or the virion by itself yep. and exposed to a healthy host, an animal, plant, person, or even a cell culture free of any other things. So you're not putting antibiotics into that person here. It's not a sick person. They have never been able to do that and expose it to a healthy host and the healthy host was able to replicate symptoms of a disease. And further during the Spanish flu, they tried to prove contagion was real in multiple experiments and they never could. They took lung tissue from a sick person, injected it directly into a healthy person. we were not able to replicate symptoms of disease. They took um, they had them open mouth cough into their face for like 10 minutes straight. We're not yep. able to replicate symptoms of, symptoms of disease. So contagion has never been proven. Viruses have never been proven to cause disease. Uh, the current way that virologists say that they're showing that a virus quote causes disease is in a cell culture. And this is what they do. They take snot from a sick host that has millions, maybe trillions maybe, or maybe billions, maybe trillions of fragments of RNA, DNA, proteins, food particles, toxins. They take that unfiltered snot, put it on a monkey kidney cell alongside cytotoxic antibiotics like amphotericin. Um, and if you look up amphotericin, toxic to kidney cells, just type that in on Google, you will find that there are so many results that amphotericin is toxic to kidneys. They're putting that on the cell culture along with this unfiltered snot. They then put fetal bovine serum and Dilbeco's modified eagle medium, which are food sources for the cell. But essentially they're mixing a bunch of things onto the cell culture. The cell experiences what is called a cytopathic effect, breaks down into a bunch of fragments. They take pictures of those fragments and say that those are viruses. They have never taken a virus exposed to a healthy host and replicated some sort of disease. It's all based on a presupposition that a virus is inside the snot that is being presented to the cell culture. And therefore that is why the cell is breaking down. It's, uh -huh. it's absurd. It's patently absurd. And the way that they have done the quote genomic sequencing, and this is even crazier in my opinion, they take snot from a patient sample, right? That has, and, are the, and they extract 56 and a half million fragments of RNA from that unfiltered snot. They then uh, put it into a computer program based on a template of SARS-CoV-1, which was isolated, quote, isolated in the exact same way that I just mm -hmm. described, mm -hmm. right? 
They base it off a template of SARS-CoV-1 in a computer. They generate 1 million different possible combinations, meaning that like, okay, we have this 56 and a half million fragments of RNA. We throw it in this computer program. It arranged itself in in a way to match a previous template of SARS-CoV-1. And oh, wow, we have a million different possible combinations of this. And they arbitrarily chose the longest one. That is how they did the quote genomic sequencing of this. And that is how they've done the genomic sequencing of the variants. They probably get another patient sample of snot and do it again and find that it's a match to SARS-CoV-2. So they're like, oh, this is just a variant of SARS-CoV-2. And they determine that it's a match at like 80% or less sometimes. So like that would be that would be like saying that, oh, I am the same as a pig. Or like I am this, we're probably, we probably relate to pigs more, but I'm the same as like a, <laughs> I don't know, like a aloe plant, the aloe plant that's behind me. Right. Right. It's, it's absurd. It, it's nuts. It is nuts. And when I started reading about, um, so I heard that's the first time I heard Dr. Tom Cowan was actually on your podcast with Dr. Tommy John and um, Joey. Whoever, yes, yes, yes. And I was like, oh, my, actually, my husband and I were, were on a, a cross country drive road trip and uh, we were listening to it. And I was I mean, I, my eyes were open to a world that I was previously not aware existed. So I obviously I got his book. I read it. He was gracious enough to come on the show as well. Dr. Uh, Christian Northrup had her on talking about. So ever since, um, you know, and that's been over the last many months now, it's been a, almost a year. But had I known when my kids were born, which was in the mid 80s, what I know now I would have never allowed a vaccine to touch their bodies. I didn't know that. And luckily the schedule is way less than though. That's, yeah. that's, that's what's huge. Yeah, exactly. But when I started diving into this and, and learning about it and seeing how every year it's like they keep ramping them up and creating new vaccines. And now you have to have this and now you have to have that. And then I'm looking at what's in this stuff and the amount of toxic things, you know, the amount of aluminum just that one thing alone that's going into babies it's yeah. it's hor- horrifying it's horrifying um so you start connecting all these dots and then you start looking at the this push this massive push for the you know we've got this this invisible you know invincible boogeyman and the only way we, we can save humanity is for you to get these still experimental you know this concoction of chemicals shot into your arm even though even though you you are likely over 99% chance of recovering unless you are already extremely compromised so let's it's, i can't reconcile that how how do you take that risk I mean, if you want to, fine, I do your thing. But wow, I just think that there are a lot of, there are so many people taking risks with their health. It, 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 I feel, I, I feel fear for them because we don't know it's now we're starting to know we're starting to know. And then the bigger thing is if you're an adult and you want to make that choice, go for it. But then we have, you know, the push for the younger, our younger adults and our children. And I just think it's, uh, it's criminal. It's just so criminal. I, I just, we have to be able to d- share what we think people should at least 
be willing to consider, to look into, to be aware of before they go out and do something that you might not be able to undo. Maybe, yeah. hopefully, hopefully we're smart enough. Hopefully we have some brilliant minds that are going to be able to counter some of the negative effects, negative effects that are now presenting themselves all over the globe. I mean, look at Israel. Oh, it's unbelievable. I, I think it was Dr. Uh, Dr. I think his last name is Haviv from Israel. He was, uh, he works at Israel's or Jerusalem's Herzog hospital and he's the head doctor in the ER there. And he said that 95% of the severe COVID patients in the hospital, this was a couple of weeks ago, had yep. already received both doses of the shot. Yep. Um, and and the hospitalizations now have, in, have spiked tenfold and that's with vaccinated people. Yep. So yep. again, tell me, I should, why should I get a vaccine? Yeah, it, it's it's crazy because it doesn't limit quote transmission. It doesn't convert uh, confer immunity. The primary efficacy endpoint of the clinical trials was mild symptom reduction. It had they say ninety five percent efficacy, ninety four percent efficacy. But if you look at the absolute risk reduction, it's zero point seven and zero point six percent respectively. And one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Cowan or favorite stories is when he was asking his professor in medical school why they don't report absolute risk reduction and, and they only report relative risk reduction. And his professor basically responded because nobody would buy it if we, if we reported absolute risk reduction. And so again, the absolute risk reduction for this is 0.7 and 0.6. And the way they cleverly manipulated that using statistics straight from Bill Gates, how to lie with statistics, they, <laughs> Like when you, when you don't include the context of how many people were in the clinical trials and you just compare like, okay, this many people in the placebo group tested positive for COVID with one or more of these following long list of symptoms. And this many people in the group that received the shot tested positive for COVID with that long list of symptoms. And you compare the two, you say, wow, this is 95% better than the alternative. When you just compare across each other, when you put in the context of there were 22,000 people in one group and 22,000 in the other, 12 out of 22,000 versus, I forget the exact numbers, but 116 out of 22,000 is, is basically like the smallest, smallest, smallest possible difference, meaning that that's where you get the 0.7% effectiveness from. Mm. And they don't want to report on that because then again, nobody would buy it. So you have those three things, doesn't limit transmission, doesn't confer immunity, zero long-term safety data. Yes, they've been studying mRNA technology for a long time, never with the specific intent of generating synthetic spike proteins in human beings, ever, never been done. Manufacturers are not liable for injury or death and 99.8% survival rate, 95% of hospitalizations, or 95% of COVID deaths had an average of four comorbidities, 78% of hospitalizations over whatever, or obese. It's like, we are so unbelievably disconnected from mm -hmm. health that we have gotten to this point where we are mandating this product yeah. out of all logic or data or any science to support it whatsoever. Yeah. And that that's exactly so spot on the disconnection from health. People are so disconnected. And, and I think that, you know, that's one of the things that's like, it's so important to me. I mean, health is literally health is my religion. Health is literally my religion. And it's what, what I coach around. And that's mental health, emotional health, physical health, and spiritual health. I like you. 
like yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you. I like you too, Alec. <laughs> but that's it. It's it's that whole package. That's that's what we're talking about when we're talking about holistic health. It's the whole person. And it just it again it, it hurts my heart to see what is going on out there with with so many people that have this blind faith in the people that they have ceded authority to over their health hmm. i just and maybe it's because you know when you're i've been i've been doing um holistic health and i've been a health nut if you will um for 35 years it's it's not a new trend for me this is something my been my whole adult life um and i've been working with people for 13 14 years now as a as a coach and and i i still i have clients that will ask me you know what do you think you know should i get this i can't i can't tell you what you should do i i can only i can only invite you to get as much information from different sources as possible and then do what's right for you. If you decide it's right for you, God bless you, then you should do it. If you decide it's not, God bless you, then you should not. That's it. I just I just want you to have as much information as possible so that you can make a truly informed decision. Yep. And and now, you know, <laughs> Now here we are with, um, you know, people do not have an accurate understanding of literally what viruses are and do, what bacteria are is and does. Um, they don't know. Um, most people are not proactive about figuring it out, about doing some research. So we they just give it up. And now we hear the bigger picture here to, to me is this this is not about a virus it's not about a flu it's not it's not about anything other than to me changing the way at least in this country that we live it's changing the fabric of of our ideology and our freedoms and and i think that you can't have a myopic look at this. You have to rise above this and look at everything that's happening at the same time and and have a, you know, a, a bird's eye view of what's going on and see that things that seem to be disconnected to me don't I see all kind I see one big connected web of things going on. I'm like, am I am I nuts? I don't think so, but I don't feel right about this. Mhm. 100%. And you know, I was thinking as you're saying, this is like relating it back to my experience when I was younger, how it's the same thing being played out in the collective right now. It's like mm -hmm. you have this entity trying to get people to go against their own lived experiences and observations and blindly trust what, what they are saying, what, like what the experts are saying, mm -hmm. they want you to blindly believe them. And then you have this other side who's telling you, please don't blindly believe us. We want you to trust yourself. Yeah. And that's, what's so crazy is that people are denying their own observations and experiences and blindly trusting what these experts are saying, who just want to maintain control over them. And really in many ways inflict harm upon them for profit. Yeah. 
and for more control and, 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 uh, and, and influence. But yeah, it was the same thing with my childhood, right? Or really actually for this, this last example, these last few years where it's like, I was blindly believing what my dad was saying, going against my own gut feeling, mm-hmm. right? That gut feeling when I brought it out and, and talked about it, I was shamed and shut down. Just like when anyone has any lingering, like, huh, maybe this isn't what we think. Then they approach their coworkers and they're like, Hey, I think this might not be And They're like, you're fucking like, are you an anti-vaxxer now? Are you crazy? And then they shut down again. They go back into themselves. Yeah. Shut down again. And they're like, okay, no, no, no. They're right. The experts are right. The experts are right. And then they're made to believe these people who are peaceful, loving, healthy, are trying to point you back to your own observations and lived experiences. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, don't self-identify with any of these like right wing, like any of those stupid labels. Like it is literally just about what's best for humanity, right? Yeah. That's yeah. it. Those are the people that you've been conditioned to believe are the ones that are causing harm and the ones that are evil and wrong and, and, and malicious. And at the same time, these people, at least in the crowd that you and I are in, we're very holistically minded, are the ones who maintain perpetual health this entire time without yes. doing any of the things that the experts want us to do. It's, right. it's, it's the exact same thing. Cause I was made to believe, Oh, my mom's crazy. Like maybe she just does need to go into a long-term facility. Even though my gut instinct was telling me something was wrong over here. And I like would speak about it. And it's like, no, how dare you? And I'm like, okay, come back into myself. And right. it wasn't until an experience happened to me again that I saw. And it's like, that's why I have compassion a little bit for the people yeah. that cannot see Cause yes. had I not experienced what I experienced when I was younger in these last four years and all of it, I don't know that I'd be able to see what's going on. I would still probably parentify these experts and like blindly trust what they say. Um, so I think the most effective thing we can do is yes, like give people access to both information, like both sides of the information spectrum in between. But the most important thing we can do is not approach them with those stupid labels that we identify with approach yeah. them human to human and say, look, I'm not telling you to trust me. And I like, I understand that you perceive me to be this label, that label, that label, but I just want you to turn back to your own observations and lived experiences and stop identifying with your labels too. And I've actually had massive success in doing that. When I, when I approach people like you're a sheep, how can you not see what the fuck's going on? Like, here's this data, here's this statistic, the the data, the stats, they're helpful to the people who are already seeking in that direction or people who like, that's the way that their mind works. Mm -hmm. But the most effective thing is observations and lived experiences. And we've had legitimately a a couple of doctors now join health freedom for humanity who could not see prior to like at the beginning of this thought I was a crazy anti-vaxxer, but I, and many others continually pointed them back to their own observation and experience said, please don't blindly trust me, but also don't blindly trust them either. Trust yourself. And now they see. They, yeah. they see what's going on. And that's like the best thing that we can do right now is point mm-hmm. people back to themselves. I could not agree more. You, and, and when we say that, we're, we're just like, trust, like you said, your own experience, trust what you're seeing, trust your intuition, Tr- trust the, if you've got questions and if you've got uncertainties, that's, that's telling you something. That's telling you, you need to learn more. It's telling mm-hmm. you, you need to investigate more. It's, it's not, if it's not saying, you know, absolutely, this is the best thing for you. If you're in that area of, I'm not sure, that's a clue. That is your, you know, you've got to be able to trust your own knowing, your own intuition, your own gut 
you know, that thing that's telling you, ah, I don't know about this. And then do yourself a favor and just, just learn a little bit more. But I think you're right. You don't, you don't help anybody and you don't bring, you don't promote any sense of unity or harmony when you insult people that aren't thinking the same way. So calling people names, calling people, you know, and it's, and it's hard because when you think you're doing, when you think that what you know and the way you're doing things is superior or the best way, or it's really, you know, for your good for you, when you think that because it works for you, it's easy to slip into a little bit of that arrogance. Yeah, it is. And, and, and it's like, we have to guard against that. Yeah, we Everyone do. Needs it, to. it is so important for, because like the, the whole point of this is, is not to get people to like blindly adopt what we want. It's like, no, no you determine what's best for yourself. And I think yeah. more often than not, when pe- when you t- point people back to themselves and they begin doing that introspective work, um, one of the, one of those doctors that I spoke of, when I say she was full on allopathic, like full on allopathic lives in New York city, love Fauci, like full oh, on wow. allopathic, right. Um, and over the past like month and a half, she's been texting me like, dude, I cannot believe this. Like, like will send me things that like I had already seen her and actually some stuff that I hadn't seen. She's helping me find more information. But the point is she's having the experience of like, oh my God, right now, like the very like reality flipping upside down experience. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the whole point is though, we're not wanting to get people to blindly adopt what we're like our way of life. The point is that everyone should determine what is best for themselves authentically and then agree to never impose or infringe upon another person. And it's very, very simple. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. Yeah. Just you do you (laughs) Uh, respect, you know, my freedom to do me Yeah, and, and it's all good. I mean, Hey, what do I know? Maybe 10 years from now, um, people are gonna be thriving and, um, you know, there'll be a whole, what, what, what the fuck do we know? So we've got to be willing, we've got to be willing to be open to what might be wrong, what might be right, what might be somewhere in between, and it might be different for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. And we've got to, again, I just want to reiterate that point, like stop approaching this from a label of I am this thing, I am that thing for your Mm -hmm. own self, for your own understanding of who you are, but also in approaching other people effectively. I spoke at a, at an event in Wisconsin this last weekend and I started or like halfway through my speech, I I opened up with the the story of my family's healing. And then halfway through my speech, I transitioned and talking about this subject right here of how to approach people. And I said, how many people in the crowd voted for Donald Trump? And everyone went, whoa. And then I was like, they didn't, they had no clue where I was going with this. I was like, how many people thought Trump was going to come save us? And they were all like, yeah. I was like, how many people think those Democrats are evil, blah, blah, blah. And like everyone went nuts. And I said, this is where I think you are wrong. And I'm not trying to tell you what is right or wrong, but this is where I think your approach is ineffective because you identify with that. And then you also think someone above you, someone out there in this world is coming to save you. Mm-hmm. You're actually perpetuating this, this system of tyranny. You need to approach people from human to human and stop looking at someone coming to save you the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only way we get out of this is if we learn to individually save ourselves. And when we save ourselves and we show other people that we're saving ourselves, they are empowered to save themselves as well. That exactly. is how we get out of this. Exactly. 
That's perfect. And that's, that's what I preach to. We demonstrate all you, you just, you demonstrate. And then those that are ready um, and, and willing and feel like that's something that they want to model, then they will. Mm-hmm. And those who don't will do their thing. But you're right. You're right. We, we each need to focus on being our healthiest self, our best version of ourself, our most spiritually mature self. Yes. Do we have time to um, talk for a minute about health freedom for humanity? I really yeah, want people sure. to. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because I know you've been on with me for a long time. So I want to make sure that. This has been a great conversation. I don't even know how long we've been on. Oh, we've been on for a while. Okay. I know. <laughs> a while. We're knocking on the door of your 90 minutes. So that's okay. That's okay. This is good. Um, okay. Yeah. This is a good segue. Yeah. So so health freedom for humanity, I, I saw a need to show, like really, really hit home the point that First off, this is a community of people, but it's also a community of people that exists outside of all those apparent labels and that we're welcoming of all perspectives on health. I mean, one of those doctors that joined us got both doses of the vaccine and that's like, that's her approach and that's okay. That's okay. But the whole premise of the organization is that we unite humanity under the belief or the knowing, not the belief. We need to change that, honestly, Mm -hmm. knowing that each person should be able to choose what is best for their own health without coercion or force. It's not about race. It's not about religion. It's not about socioeconomic status, political affiliation, gender, sexual orientation, or any of those other apparent divisions amongst us. It is about humanity. And in this is a fundamental inalienable right for each and every one of us. And so we're expanding into a bunch of state chapters right now into multiple countries as well. Um, and, and we have sort of the headquarters, which is all what I like to say, I hate this word, but like the social media influencers and doctors and what have you that are all a part of our organization. We want everyone to join us. Like this should be a no brainer. This Mm -hmm. is, this is a fundamental inalienable right for every single human being and everyone is welcome to be a part of it. It's not an organization. That's a top-down approach. It is a movement. It is a movement for all of us. And you're, and you, you're doing, I guess, for lack of a better word, is like franchises. How are you in, in different states? Tell me, explain that a little bit for people that are very intrigued by this and, and want to understand how they can participate other than, you know, donating money is always awesome, but on another scale of active participation, what would that look like? This is what's so cool about the way that we've set it up in my mind at least, is that each of the chapters are very autonomous. They, we don't have like a directive, like, you know, or we're not dictatorial in that, like you have to do these things for your community. It's like, hey, we believe health freedom is a fundamental and inalienable right. We do not discriminate based on any of those divisions that I just listed out. We welcome everyone. You do what you think is best for your local chapter. And for the California chapter, that's looked like creating community, finding alternatives to school systems, like really getting a community of people together, hosting events together. Um, They're looking into like really expanding and like essentially creating a system outside of the system rather than petitioning the system to change. And -hmm. other states were doing other things and it's going to be different and unique to the state's uh, wants and needs essentially. Okay. That's amazing. Um, I know I've talked to, uh, uh, 
uh, a mutual acquaintance, Lauren Geertsen. She's been on the show she's a couple awesome. times too. Yeah, and she's awesome. And I have uh, keeping tabs on what she's doing over there in Washington uh, with her with her Health Freedom for Humanity group. So got got my eyes on that. I'm I'm uh, I'm here in, in Cody, Wyoming, and like we we are. It's like life is normal here, shall I'm we so say? I'm so jealous of you right now. <laughs> you should have you ever be, seen Alex. The movie Legends of the Fall. Oh God! Like Kitt. a million years ago, I can't remember. Yeah, it's it pretty anymore. long. But like ever since I, I watched that movie when I was really young, and I've been obsessed with it ever since. Like because I think it was either filmed in Wyoming or Montana, mm. but like they live at the base of of a mountain in a valley, and I've been like obsessed with that ever since I was younger. And I originally wanted to move to Gunnison, Colorado, after I got out of the army but Colorado has gone full on like, Mm-mm. you know, so yeah. <laughs> all that to say, I'm very awesome. jealous. <laughs> we're, yeah. We're, we're still, kinda, you know, I, I guess relatively speaking, it's still a little bit like the wild west out here. Um, I love we're it. just, we're just outside. Uh, Maybe the, a year from now I'll be your neighbor. Yeah. Come on out. Uh, I got some land. <laughs> We've got, it's, it's, it's a good place to be. And honestly, my, my husband and I like every day, we're like, I'm so grateful we're living here. We always feel grateful we live here, but it, like more than ever during this, we've, we have no, nobody wears, is wearing masks here. We don't have people dying in the streets. Um, you know, restaurants are no? open. Are you serious? Um, you don't have anyone dying? You guys aren't wearing I, masks though. I haven't seen about it yet. I, I haven't heard about it. I haven't witnessed <laughs> it. No, I mean, and I'm not going to say, you know, people haven't been affected and people aren't getting sick, but no, it's, it's, it's not very pandemic-y looking here and yeah. life is, people are going about their business. Um, in fact, tourism, this is a tourist town, is up like you would not believe here and it's interesting to see not only this past fourth of july but even last year which was only what a few months march april may june so a few months after COVID, you know lockdowns and all that stuff even then um we had our annual parade people are shoulder to shoulder almost nobody like one out of a hundred is wearing a mask um it's it's very patriotic and it was really yeah. especially good to see this year people were out and celebrating and so cool. you know being in community with each other and it was all harmonious and supportive and nobody was in a state of fear or you know conflict of any sort uh it was very heartening to see so yeah come out anytime come visit <laughs> I got plenty of room. <laughs> but uh anyway so okay I want to uh I know you have uh, quite a few different um, social uh, handles because <laughs> you, you keep getting you keep getting whacked. <laughs> um, we're gonna put all of your current ones in the show notes, but if you want to share a, co- a couple of main places to send people right now before we sign off, please feel free. Yeah, I actually have to say a funny joke real quick first because my Instagram account that I have right now is like listed as a grocery store. I don't have my name on it anywhere just so I don't get deleted. <laughs> and- <laughs> wow. People aren't sure if it's me because now I'm using Daniel Alexander, which is my Daniel Alexander's ex is my full name. And I've always gone by Alec. Um, but people will come onto the account and say, hey, is this is this Alex Zek's account? And then I'll say Alex Zek has never been isolated or proven to exist. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Hey, so I like I'm very obscure about it on purpose, though, because I don't like if people if you know, you know, it's like that. If you know, you know. Right. Um, but anyway, my, my Instagram account is at underscore Al 
So A-L and then another underscore and then Boogie, B-O-O-G-I-E, um, old nickname when I played basketball and then okay. another underscore. So Al or underscore Al underscore Boogie underscore. My Twitter is Alec underscore Zek. And then my, my Telegram, um, really building that up quite a bit, just because I keep getting deleted everywhere else, is uh, <laughs> t.me forward slash the way forward. And forward is spelled F-W-R-D. It's not spelled like that. It's F-W-R-D, but that just with F-W-R-D. So. Okay. Okay. And again, we'll, we'll put all those in the show notes so that people who are like trying to scrambling, trying to, what was that underscore? What was that? It's a lot. Grocery, a lot. grocery store. What? <laughs> right. I didn't get that. Um, all right, cool. So we'll add that. So um, uh, any final words that you want to share with everybody before we sign off? I think the, the more that we identify with, I, I am the body instead of just, I am just like be open. I am, which like leads you to be like everything and also be one thing, right? Like all things are connected. The more we identify with I am the body, then that's when we start attaching labels to that and start mm -hmm. self-identifying with those labels and start viewing this world as I'm separate of those things that I'm interacting with rather than when you come back to I am, and that is consciousness, the universe, an aspect of God, whatever you want to call it, you're able to actually approach your life in a way that you realize there's nothing out to get you. It's only when human beings create the perception that they are separate, that they start acting in defense of or on the offense based on that belief of separation and start harming each other. When we understand that nature and we are fundamentally a part of that, that's not something that we are separate of. When we remember that we are fundamentally a part of nature and we start understanding that nature lives in a symbiotic fashion with itself and in an independent relationship we can approach this life in a much more harmonious fashion. And uh, I think I'll, I think I'll leave it at that. That's beautiful. I love it. You dude, you don't have to come back and we're going to have to just talk spirituality, metaphysical spirituality. I think we could have a really fun convo about that, huh? Yeah. I actually didn't bring this up at all. And there's, there's a book that was life-changing to me that I could go so in depth on. So I'll have to come Ooh. back. It's called the law of one. Ooh, um, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Childhood trauma healing. I started reading that and it was, so transformational for me. Okay, cool. I'll pick it up. I've got a bunch of them, but I'll pick that one up and then I'll hit you back up and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Awesome. All right, everybody, that is going to be a wrap for us. Um, please make sure to check out Health Freedom for Humanity and all of the other good things that Alec is doing in the world. Um, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss any of the good shift being shared here. Share it. And... Um, until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay healthy and kind and uh, go make some epic shift happen in your lives. And uh, that goes for you too, Mr. Gary V.